0: I All right. I cannot believe that you started the first episode of the new year with wow. Um well, <laughs> I'm just
1: always amazed that we're still we're still doing this. We're still kicking 2024. We're back. We took a hiatus. Some people said we would never come back, that we would finally be finished. We're not. We're back like we never left. Back in the movie game, back in the movie reviewing game. Uh Elliot how how was the end of 2023? You have any revolu resolutions for 2024? I'll throw more questions at you if you want some, but <laughs> maybe just those two. <laughs>
0: uh, the end was fine. didn't do Didn't do anything that would be of any interest to people who aren't like uh, very very close friends. Um, I have not made re- any resolutions. I don't really do that because I don't see I don't see the point. For me personally, because I know that I would never keep them. Um, but yeah, that's that was mine. Nathan, the prodigal son, has returned from his years of <laughs> vice and indulgences. Uh, and by vice and indulgences, years. I, of course, mean a few weeks in Europe. Why don't you, if you want, tell the viewers how, how it was. How were things across the pond? How the how were
1: things across the pond? Uh, it was a ton of fun. I went with some friends. We had a great time. Honestly, I think you know one of the best trips I've ever been on. Saw some great places. Ate some delicious chicken paprikash, with genuinely the best meal I had on the trip. Yeah, it was fantastic. I recommend to any, anyone who's looking for a trip, a place to go. My recommendation: I went to La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Spain. And it was gorgeous, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, one of the most marvelous works of art I've ever seen. Uh, so if you are going to Europe anytime soon, put that on your list, I'd say. Take a little trip over to it, visit it. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I had a ton of fun, but I'm ha- I'm happy to be back. My rev resolution, I keep saying revolution instead of resolution. My rev- resolution is to start a revolution in the movie reviewing game is uh, we're here to do an even better job that we did last year. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It's it's should be an exciting year for film and for Magellan's of the movies.
0: Well, alrighty then that sounds great. Uh, La Sagrada Familia in case you're wondering is a cathedral. I'm not sure why you didn't just say that, but it's a cathedral. Uh, it's an impressive one. I assume Nathan said so. So, yeah, let's uh, let's start as we mean to go on in 2024 by reviewing a film. Um, that's our new thing yep. that we're gonna that we're gonna try out. So we're gonna start with. A, oh, I should have had this up before I started talking. We're going to start with Cloverfield. Um, this is a a bit of a, a genre mashup. It's a found footage, horror, uh, creature feature, kaiju film. It's all of those things. It came out in 2008, directed by the man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Reeves. Um, it's, It's sort of, it's really hard to describe what it started. It started like a loosely connected Cloverfield universe of three films that kind of reference each other at times and kind of don't. I've only seen two of them. There's Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and The Cloverfield Paradox. I've seen the first two. Nathan's seen now all three. Uh, He was just missing the first one. I have no connection to this. Well, I have connection, obviously, but I have no deep affinity for this franchise. I find it strange that it's a franchise, but it's got some good movies in there. And the goal of this podcast is to discern whether or not Cloverfield... Where it all started is one such good movie. So uh Nathan, let's start with your thoughts. This is a brand new movie to you. this was a movie that I picked so this was this is hot off the press for you let's let's hear it. What'd you think what were your initial thoughts?
1: Yeah uh, I didn't have a ton of expectations kind of coming into this movie. like you said I've already seen 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield Paradox both of which were movies that I actually was weirdly following the like release of, or the rollout for, but cause both of which I kind of followed as in case you didn't know, both of those movies started as different standalone films. And then JJ Abrams kind of got the scripts and changed around some of the stuff to make them connect to the Cloverfield universe. So I actually followed both of the movies from kind of their initial Phase or whatever, to the cryptic rollout that both of them. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but Cloverfield Paradox their rollout consisted only of a trailer during the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and then the movie was released straight to Netflix after the Super Bowl um and the movie was terrible. so anyway, I was weirdly invested despite not having seen the first one. I think because I think found footage is kind of a stupid genre and a stupid way of making movies. Cause I don't think I've ever, this is the first one I've seen, but nothing from what I've seen of other ones in my mind justifies why a person would be carrying around a camera so religiously and filming everything so religiously. So I wasn't like super excited for this movie. We talked before that I like Matthew Reeves quite a bit. So I was kind of excited in that sense. Elliot thought this movie was good. So I was like, oh, maybe it will be good. I think overall my expectations were met. A lot of the issues I assumed I would have with uh, the logic of the found footage uh, device and kind of some of the human elements of the story, I knew I was going to kind of find stupid or shallow. But overall, I thought I had a pretty good time with this movie. I thought it was scary at points. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was a really good kind of premise. And yeah, so I'm excited to dive into some of the other stuff that makes this movie. uh, It it made quite a splash at its time. So talking about that and then your thoughts, Elliot. So why don't you start with your thoughts? You know, what, what are your, this is, I think, your second time seeing the movie. So, you know, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so uh, I first watched this. I can't even remember why um, on Netflix uh, many years ago when I was in high school, when I was but a wee lad, and I was I was really scared by it because I'm a coward. So I find I found it very disturbing, but I also was very drawn to it because. And I remain drawn to it because of its unique premise. Um, I like kaiju films. I like movies about big old monsters just kind of wandering through cities and breaking stuff. That's just that just appeals to something deep in the human spirit—the uh, unmaking of things that take a long time to make. And I, we never usually our perspective is, of course ground level, but not to the extent that we're like one of just the random people living out their lives who suddenly have to deal with a big old monster wandering around through the city breaking stuff. Usually we're on the side of the people trying to solve it. We're with the military, we're with scientists, we're with, I don't know, the Iron Man or whoever. So I I thought that that was a really cool idea to to get the ground level perspective the more like uh, zombie f- fiction type perspective of just normal people in their normal lives who have to deal with something very very abnormal. And on the second viewing, I would say that I still liked it. I would say that we're about at the same level. Um, I didn't find it hugely distracting. The idea that uh, the idea that someone would hold on to a camera when Godzilla is, like, tearing stuff down around them is inherently ridiculous. I guess I kind of just accepted that from the get-go and let it go. But there there were, in contrast to my respect and admiration of the restraint that Godzilla 2014 treats its subject with, I did find the lack of Cloverfield um, in the Cloverfield movie to be a bit more grating. Um, especially since I found the sequences where Cloverfield was... They do call it Cloverfield, by the way. I'm not just being facetious. Like, it is named Cloverfield for some reason. But when Cloverfield is, like, right next to them and it's all chaotic, I think that the movie does a really good job of capturing the total panic and chaos of that situation. And I wanted more of that and a bit less of Saving Private Beth, which we will, I'm sure, talk about as we get into the movie but general thoughts pretty good good time I have a lot of respect for the creativity of the genre mashup um and I like the ground level perspective but you know oh gosh the first you know of the new year wow <laughs> good job Elliot yeah. uh, let's just w- let's cut it there we'll just stop uh, or I'll just stop let's or I guess I won't stop we'll we'll keep going We'll we'll keep going. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, I don't know where you want to start, Nathan. Um, this movie has not a whole lot going on, but there is kind of... There are a lot of moving parts within what does uh, go on. So let's start with a plot breakdown and work from there. So Gloverfield follows a uh, quartet of folks, young, like college-aged uh people who are oh above you think so older than like you know yeah if he's vice
1: the president of a company in japan oh. he's definitely not college age they're well i don't know
0: maybe they do things like differently 30s. in japan who knows so people of an ambiguous age who <laughs> are young enough <laughs> to- oh yeah no one has any idea All right, hush now. They could be in their 40s. (laughs) That's so funny. People who are young enough to do some fairly strenuous running, let's just say that, have gathered to have a going away party for a main, well, not, yeah, sort of main character, um, whose name I've I've quite forgotten. Where are you? Rob. Rob. Uh, And there's some tension. Ooh, there's some interpersonal conflict because Rob struck up a relationship with the lovely young Beth and then kind of abandoned it uh, for reasons unknown. So now now there's now we've got now we've got tension. now we've got conflict. Um, now we've got TJ. Miller playing HUD acting like a middle schooler running around a party gossiping uh, with people about everyone's romantic entanglements. That's fun. But anyway, Into all this uh, young histrionics comes Cloverfield, a very large monster of indeterminate origin, starts stomping around, starts breaking up the place, starts making a mess. And uh, they try to evacuate. They can't, or they won't, because Beth is trapped. Rob wants to go help her. They They decide to do this, despite that being really stupid. So they go back into the city. Shenanigans ensue of the giant monster variety um ultimately ending with lots of deaths and an ambiguous uh moment of possible destruction, possible victory. It's unclear and the future the future is is muddled. So there. That's the plot. Um Nathan, I noticed you rolling your eyes when I was talking about Hud. So, let's start with the characters. I would say that I really felt the J.J. Abrams influence uh, this time around, now that I'm more familiar with his style. Because if I could sum up the J.J. Abrams character in one word, it would be scrappy. J.J. Abrams characters, whether they are the the, the Last Jedi, uh, uh, sticking it to an evil empire, or just a bunch of dudes and some women running away from a giant monster, they are inevitably scrappy. They're uh quick-witted, they're they have very simple but immediately relatable uh relationships. It's very they're very like pulpy blockbustery stereotypes in my opinion. And I think that for the most part it works for this movie. Uh this movie is definitely about the spectacle, it's about the premise, it's about Cloverfield breaking stuff that he's not supposed to break or that we wish he wouldn't break. Um, so it doesn't, it makes sense that the characters are painted in fairly broad strokes. Uh, in that case, I think that what you really need is for them to just not be annoying. That's kind of like our baseline here. And HUD does not quite clear that baseline. I found him to be very annoying at times. And, uh, I was really upset that he kind of had control of the camera for most of the movie. Um, So he was probably my biggest sticking point character-wise. There's not really a whole lot I can say about him. There's not much analysis that goes into it. He's just annoying. I just don't like him very much. Um, But the two ladies of the group, uh, they don't really do a whole lot. Marlena and Lily, they don't do a whole lot except, well, what do they do? Uh, they run around, They Lily is sad because Rob's brother, whatever his name is, dies, and she was in love with him. Uh, Marlena is kind of shell-shocked for most of the movie and then has a fairly meets a fairly gruesome end. Uh, and then there's Rob, who, uh, I don't know, he's, I mean, I guess he really likes this girl, he wants to help her, she's stuck in her building. And of course, it's a very chaotic situation. They can't get nine one one in there to help her, so they're doing it themselves. Okay, that' cool. But there's, I mean, there's not, there's nothing else to him. That he is very singular in his focus, and you know, I'm not. There's the second, you know. That makes, that makes sense for this kind of movie. This movie is trying to be as grounded as possible in terms of what would actually happen. So I don't think that people would really be going on emotional, complex character arcs in this situation. I think that they would be fairly uh, focused on what they're trying to do. So I can accept that. I can accept that. I think that it works works for the movie, they, but it doesn't really contribute to anything it doesn't really make the movie a whole lot better in my eyes but uh what do you think about the characters
1: uh i feel i feel a lot of the same things i rolled my eyes when you mentioned tj miller because i do agree that his character is incredibly irritating i don't even necessarily think it's all uh like a screenwriter fault uh this movie was entirely written by drew goddard who has written a couple of other things he's the showrunner for daredevil on netflix which is sick but i would blame honestly i would blame tj miller tj miller is kind of an annoying actor he's kind of an annoying person if you've seen interviews with him not to attack people i'm sure he's a decent person like as a human being or i hope he is But I think it's really him. I get kind of what they were going for, that Hud is kind of a pathetic uh, kind of nerd-type character. He's obsessed with Marlena, who's on the trip with them, and she's clearly going through something way different than them. I think Hud could have worked if it was a more charismatic actor doing it, if it was someone like, I don't know, Michael Stara or like Jesse Eisenberg. I think they were maybe a little young at the time of this movie's release, but someone like that who they're kind of, they're funnier when they're being insecure. And yeah, HUD is just very annoying. The fact that he is the most consistent voice in the movie is frustrating because he has the camera for almost the entire runtime. And he's constantly talking in a way that's very irritating. As for the other characters, I agree with you. I think the function of the movie is to be very grounded, very street-level action, and this is a very street-level sort of thing. They they establish some baseline relationships that we can, right, be in, engaged in that sense that we don't want to see characters die because we have some investment in them. Not a ton, but enough that, you know, like you said when Marlena died, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of that's kind of nasty." Like I remember when she showed up earlier in the movie but i think i i agree i don't know if you said it but the the worst thing these characters can do is detract from the movie and that's what hud does the other ones don't they don't add anything i guess they could have been funnier i suppose they could have had a more gripping story if they you know maybe someone was a parent looking for a child that's maybe a bit more compelling to me than looking for a girl that you slept with once but I think on the whole, the characters do a decent job. They keep me invested a bit. I was very invested, hoping that Hud would die, and then he did (laughs) die, so I was excited about that. (laughs) But yeah, otherwise the character there's not much to write
0: home about the characters, in my opinion. So yeah, I actually want to talk about the streets, the street-level action that you were talking about, because in my mind, that's this movie's biggest strength. Um, And I think that... Kind of one of the ways in which this movie's approach to the kaiju film of putting it at the very ground level on the front lines of the first appearance of the big monster in this case Cloverfield, a kind of weird looking crab thingy. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> slimy. It's not scaly. It's not. It doesn't seem to be a lizard like Godzilla. It looks more like a crustacean, but it's effective enough. You don't really see it that much. Um, and it's got weird, like, inflating balloons on the side of its head. That's weird. It doesn't matter. The point is, uh, I think that one of the biggest ways where this that that approach manifests itself is in the places where the action, the locations where the action takes place. Because when I think of other Godzilla movies and I think of the setting, I'm always thinking of, uh, right, military headquarters, planes, planes. Uh, front lines of army of uh armies uh the white house stuff like that in this movie our yeah. arenas are an abandoned subway tunnel which is legitimately a freaky sequence um the actual like streets like the streets of new york uh a a department store where they've set up a uh, a triage that kind of thing and i i find that i find that very compelling i i liked the thought that was put into okay where would someone where would someone without any military training without any like direct investment in the process of stopping this threat where would they have to go where would they be where would they be trying to get mm. where would they be trying to get away from and what are the routes by which they would gain those uh those those locations so i thought that was good i thought it was indicative of the movies approach to like I keep on saying like a broken record the street level action the 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 new the fresh perspective and I yeah you know, I'm a fan of fresh perspectives I, I like tradition and uh, archetypes and stuff like that but I also like when those kinds of things are shaken up and when somebody brings a new idea to the table. And to me, that's this movie's, that's the biggest thing that I can say to recommend this movie is that it really is unlike any kaiju movie you've probably ever seen.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think easily my favorite sequence in the movie, like you said, the subway tunnel sequence is terrifying and is definitely a, a fantastic action horror set piece. But all of my favorite scenes in the movie are when they're just on the street and all of a sudden, whoa, there's Cloverfield crashing through a building and there's the military shooting at it. And it's just hectic. You can't see a lot because it's just a little camera on the street. And as I was kind of reading uh, reviews of this movie in preparation for our review, a lot of the reviews were calling to mind that this movie came out 2008, that this movie calls to mind 9-11. It's set in New York. It obviously features a lot of destruction of things in New York. And more specifically, there's a lot of sequences of just people walking around in stunned silence in the wreckage of a city, which I think is very much indicative if you've ever seen photos or videos of people in New York at the time, that there's just dust everywhere. It looks awful. And people don't know what to do. They don't have any right method like you said these are people they're not in the military they don't have any method by which to attack cloverfield or do anything demonstrably to help the situation all they can do is try to find a safe way to get from where they are to a place very far away and i don't know if necessarily the movie's intention is to call to mind nine eleven. i think it's just a byproduct of kind of in the same way that The original Godzilla movies would call to mind the atom bomb and just a sense of what a huge, awful, horrifying thing that we're powerless to defeat. This movie does a similar thing or feels like it does a similar thing with Cloverfield, that the characters have no means. All they can do is hope that something horrible doesn't happen to the building they're in, to the street they're on, or to the subway tunnel they're in. Which is terrifying, like is a horrifying, horrifying thought. And the fact that the movie puts you in these shoes of, you know, what can we do? We're wandering down a subway tunnel and, oh, here's some disgusting grasshopper things that are attacking us. It's very, very, very effective. I think this is such an effective genre bender. It's not necessarily breaking the conventions of a kaiju movie but it's certainly bending the conventions by shooting it in a different way and I think the movie uses that to the fullest extent or to a, at least a full enough extent I don't see how anyone else can make a movie like this without it just be retreading ground
0: always with the genre like you're saying like you're quickly saying the name of a guy called John Ruh. it's genre. Seriously now,
1: yeah, genre, genre. <laughs> I love genres. Okay, I don't even know if you're right about that. I think my
0: pronunciation
1: is correct.
0: Uh No, there's no way. It's we'll <laughs> we'll deal with this later. we we'll, this will be we'll talk about this in the uh, end of episode debriefing. For now, I want to say that oh. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that this movie isn't necessarily speaking to a cultural moment in America, but it's certainly a product of a cultural moment in America. And those shots Mm. when like right after Cloverfield first shows up and it is, like you said, just shots of people kind of walking around in a daze through clouds of dust were very reminiscent of on the ground footage from nine 11. I, and yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily trying to say anything about that, but it absolutely captures the sense of hopelessness that is core to a lot of good horror, right? Um, the the mm. horror that's tr- truly trying to scare you, not the, like, schlocky horror that's kind of just supposed to be a bit of a laugh, but the horror like the thing that's trying to make you afraid. Um, that's what this mm. movie's aiming for, and I think that it absolutely achieves it uh because this movie is is one of the scarier movies that i've watched uh if if maybe you're you're listening to that audience and you're thinking wow what a baby you're absolutely right but again i am a baby so it is it is very scary because i always i'm usually more scared of things that could never possibly happen than i am of things that could happen like i find the idea of a shape-shifting alien much scarier than the idea of a masked serial killer, which could actually, you know, could actually kill me at some point. But this is kind of a merging of those two ideas. Like the odds of a giant crab walking through New York, destroying stuff, very low. But being stuck somewhere. Uh, in the middle of an attack that you don't understand, that nobody's really prepared for, that's taking you completely off guard and just being kind of adrift in that situation, absolutely, that is something that can happen. That's something that happens every day in real life. So this, this movie does have a great understanding of the helplessness of scary horror. It makes me interested to watch Matt Reeves' adaptation of let the right one in which is kind of a horror movie I but it's not a very good one sorry um so maybe he did something a little better with the premise maybe he leaned into the scary elements more I don't know I haven't seen it but yeah it, it does make me think that he or perhaps it's just drew Goddard the screenwriter uh, could do something could do something more in the horror genre genre if they so chose.
1: You're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh it feels difficult to go anywhere. If like again, the movie has one trick up its sleeve. It does the trick so, so well. But there yeah, there is some element where I don't have anything else to say. Elliot
0: still does. So, Elliot, what is your thought? Uh well, I want to talk about the monster itself, because In kaiju films, that's usually the focus. Obviously, like we've said ad nauseum in this review, that's not really this movie's focus, Um, which is in large part to its strength, but in some parts, I think they do play it a little coy with Cloverfield. It's possible this movie didn't have the biggest budget, if I'm remembering that correctly, so it's possible it's just budgetary constraints, because it's hard to animate that kind of stuff. But still... I did feel like there, there were some moments where I could kind of feel the corners being cut, even though it is a standout sequence. The subway sequence comes about because Cloverfield has like, I don't know, a nasty case of alien head lice or something that's kind of just falling off of him. They're these little, like Nathan said, grasshoppery, crabby things uh, that are much smaller that are like the size of a big dog basically, and so they find them in the subway tunnel, and that, that, they kind of, like, they kind of show up, and then they never really factor into things again, like, they kind of show up to facilitate the subway sequence and to drive them back out onto the streets, but after that, I think you only see them again once, and they are, they're frightening adversaries, because we learn from Marlena that their bite carries some kind of infection that makes you explode, um, which is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate that sickness. <laughs> yeah. is <laughs> it's, uh, it's very gruesome. But yeah, they, after that, they, they only show up once. And like, one of them just kind of randomly appears in a stairwell of Beth's building when they're trying to get away. And they shoot it off. They're like, get out of here, you stupid alien headlice thing. So off it goes. And then we're back to just uh, Cloverfield itself. Which is, I mean, I understand that it might be because of budget. And it does, it. the movie does, I think, about as well as you could with those limitations. But it is something, it is still a limitation that I could feel at times. And I'm also curious hmm. to hear what you think about, like, the design of Cloverfield. Because the design of a monster is what makes an iconic monster, of course. Like, of course, there's stories around it. There's other things that contribute to it. But at the end of the day, Godzilla just looks flipping cool. And that's a big part of his appeal. And I think that this design, <coughs> excuse me, is really unique. Um It is more crustacean than most uh monsters I've ever seen, except for the one in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters that shows up for like five seconds. But no one cares. And I think it's an effective design. It's not the biggest thing in the world. Like, it's pretty well smaller than Godzilla. It, it walks around on, like, three legs. Or not three legs. Four legs, I think. Or maybe six. I don't know. It's hard to tell because we don't really see that much of it. And I think that that's... It's a double-edged sword, basically. In that it makes it more effective when it does show up. But... I don't think the balance is quite is quite the same as in 2014 where I'm just really excited to see the monster again. In this movie, I'm more like wondering when I will see the monster again or if I'm going to see the monster again mm-hmm. and what it's going to do when it eventually uh, shows up.
1: Yeah, uh, I think this monster design is a little overcomplicated and certainly overcomplicated for how little you see of it, like the shot at the end when Hudson's finally getting killed, where you finally get to see like the whole monster for a while. There's just a lot going on. Like you said, it's got weird bubble sack things bulging. It's got a whole lot of arms. It just feels like there's a lot going on. And because we don't see it a lot, it's hard to get a good sense of like, what it really looks like or what it we can really compare it to, I guess this movie came out in 2008. It's been 15 years. I don't think I've ever seen people with like Cloverfield on a shirt and I don't think they really make them, but I, I just feel like I don't, I haven't seen the monster seep into the cultural consciousness in the same way that like the Demogorgon from stranger things. I think that's a fairly sleek. I, I wouldn't say it's iconic because it's not that old, but it's a design that if you've seen the thing, you would know it. If you showed me a picture of the Cloverfield monster, I'd be like, I don't know, is that from Pacific Rim? Is that from, you know, any other kaiju movie? It just, it looks really overcomplicated while simultaneously looking a little generic. Uh, Although again, that's in comparison to like other kaiju movies. So it could just
0: be a fault of that. This sounds really quibbling, but in my mind, it's not really about the monster's design per se. It's more about, like, the character of the monster. Like, I think we could say that Godzilla has a Mm. distinct character at this point in his life. And so does King Kong. Like, King Kong is kind of the sadly noble, majestic creature. Godzilla is, like, the more grand, epic, fearsome force of nature. And Cloverfield doesn't really have that. And... Just again, it's really a it's really a mixed bag or a double edged sword in terms of the mer- the movie's goals because its goal is not to create. I don't think the movie is really about the monster in the same way that Godzilla movies are about Godzilla. I mean, it's there in the it's there in the title. Although Cloverfield is in the title of this as well, but what it <laughs> I was gonna the, say, <laughs> <laughs> it's not trying to make a character for the monster. It is trying to focus on what it would actually look like for people on the ground level. And I think that that works to the extent that that idea can work. But it also, it is sometimes, there are some things that you kind of miss when you take that approach. And it's hard to decide how to, like, fold that into my ultimate rating because, like, that's not what the movie's trying to do. And I'm always very reluctant to rate a movie based on the things that I wish it would have done unless it's doing something really stupid. And I don't think this is a stupid idea. I think that maybe it's just that there was a little bit of tweaking that they could have done to maintain the claustrophobia, the chaos, the paranoia of their ground-level perspective, but also inject some more character and some more... I don't know presence uh, to Cloverfield itself.
1: Yeah, I guess I think that I think you're a bigger kaiju movie. Oh, if you've listened to our 2023 recap, Elliot watched quite a few Godzilla movies. Not quite a few. You watched like three. <laughs> That's more than I watched two. I thought you watched the original Godzilla last year. No, I watched that like five years ago. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I'm not keeping track of these things. Anyway. I think that's kind of a bit more of a kaiju movie buff critique, which I I don't like, I don't care about the character of the monster. I don't really care so much about that. Uh, That's not going to really affect my final score. I would say though, I did remember another thought I had that on a technical kind of cinematography level, I do think there are some scenes in this movie that are very interesting not in sense that they were shot in like a really interesting, compelling way. But there's some wonders in this movie. There's some scenes where, again, because it's found footage and ostensibly we're just watching a tape that was recorded. They can't really have edits in the action scenes because like it doesn't meta in a meta sense. It doesn't make sense. Like who's editing the action scenes for the president or something of this thing that's the military has picked up. So there's some scenes with a very long take that I think are kind of impressive. I can't remember uh, any specific scenes right now, but there's certainly more than a, well, I guess kind of the, like the helicopter crash, they're just long enough. And there's definitely some like hidden cuts in there, but they're an impressively long scene especially for an early 2000s like you said low budget sort of movie any shot that's going to last more than like 30 seconds is from my understanding a huge pain to try and put together and especially if there's going to be like stuff blowing up or crashing around or things happening in the shot that's going to be hard to then work around so I thought the camera work Was interesting. I'm always fascinated by found footage. Because like. Did TJ Miller just do VO for the whole thing? Was he ever on set for these things. Where he's holding the camera. Because they did credit someone as. The cinematographer. I I don't know. I'm always interested with found footage. Of like how did they actually film this. Because I'm assuming they didn't just. Give one of the actors. A little hand cam. And then just let him loose on the scene. But. Anyway, that's beside the point. I think the movie is impressively filmed in a technical sort of sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I didn't really think about that. But that is interesting to consider who was actually behind the camera. Like, who was the cam op? Yeah. I don't know. We'll look, Maybe we'll look it up and report back next time. I just have two other... A few other observations uh, that don't really mean anything, but that I just found humorous. I did think it was funny the moments where there were edits where like stuff was cut out, usually like travel bits, because I've just found it amusing to think of the like G man who with skills in video editing who was like, "Oh wow, this this kind of makes a, an interesting narrative. Let me just splice this all together, and maybe maybe my boss will be entertained by it, and he'll give me a promotion." That's funny to think about because this movie is framed like there's like a beginning scene screen where it says like property of the US government, top secret, uh, only known ground account of subject Cloverfield or something like that. So it is framed like it has been like this footage has been obtained by the government and is being studied in some capacity. I just think it's funny that they wanted to have a nice little narrative to go along with their investigation. They left in all
1: the scenes, too, of, you know, Rob and Beth and the little scene at the end of them on the Ferris wheel, very poetic of the G. He did have some narrative sensibilities, artistic ideas he's like, oh, I'll leave this in. It has nothing to do with Cloverfield, but it makes for a really poetic ending to the
0: film. Well, I was going to ask if you had noticed, apparently you did not, in that la- that very last shot when he's looking out at the ocean, you can see something fall out of the sky and land in the ocean, which is presumably Cloverfield.
1: Uh, see I wondered when he was looking at the ocean, I was like, "Oh, is there going to be some clue that Clover but I was I thought there would be, but then I was apparently not observant
0: enough to catch it. it. It's really far out there. Like, I did not know it was a thing until after I had watched this movie when I just happened to see a video of, like, things you missed in Cloverfield. And the thumbnail was oh. a little circle around this tiny thing falling out of the sky. So
1: the, the The classic YouTube
0: thumbnail, the big red circle. Did you notice this? Yes. I love those. Uh, the other thing was just that when they get into the helicopter and they're going to carpet bomb Cloverfield, the helicopter flies like parallel to Cloverfield's path instead of just the opposite direction, which I thought was very a very silly thing to do. Like, there's no rush, guys. It's It's more important to be away from the monster than it is to be heading in the direction of the landing zone, unless there's a fuel concern, but... This is one of those things that you kind of have to do in a movie to keep the protagonists as part of the action. but yeah,
1: I like I said at the beginning, found footage always doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, why would a person keep recording? This one made a decent amount of sense because Hudson did seem like the kind of person who would be moronic enough to film everything because he was kind of a tool. The only time that wasn't true was when they were climbing into Beth's building and Rob literally says, Hey, Hudson, stop filming. You need both hands to do this. And then Hudson just kept filming anyway, which was bizarre. I also love how so often in movies like this, when people are like, is that thing record, like put that thing away. And they just like point it at the ground instead of stop recording it. And then the other person is just like fine with that. Instead of saying, I can still see the light on. I know it's still recording. Uh, That just cracks me up. But that was my la that was my last thought. So we can get into ratings now,
0: if you would like, Elliot. All right, let's do it to it. I'll go first. Um light I'm just going to do what we always do, which is repeat completely needlessly the stuff that we've already said in the review. And that's that this movie does not have the most interesting characters, it doesn't have the most compelling monster, it doesn't have the most compelling narrative, but it does have a very compelling framing device compelling enough to carry the movie, which is not something you can say about most framing devices. But the idea of giving that ground level account, the more the grounded idea of what it would actually look like, what would people be doing when a monster attacks, how would they react, where would they be trying to go, what would it actually look like, that kind of thing. I always find that really interesting. That's always my favorite part of any movie that dr- deals with some kind of unexplained thing is really getting into the idea of what it would look like and how would people react. So that's great. There's some really great horror moments in this. There's some limitations in terms of the budget and just in terms of the approach that it's taking that kind of keep it from the upper echelons of true kaiju movie greatness in my mind. But it's a really refreshing shot in the arm for the genre that I think, if you're into that kind of thing, or if you like tense thrillers or scarier movies that aren't necessarily very graphic or very violent or if you do like kaiju movies and you want to see a new take on the on the 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 genre I would say give this a go I'm going to give it a strong B I think that it's say a classically B movie kind B kind of movie
1: Yeah uh, I'm not going to waste a ton of time. I really like this. Like I said, I think it lives up to its potential. Really, the only big negative for me is the fact that some of the characters are annoying and some of the characters, some, Hudson. It's Hudson. <laughs> All Every single point that this movie is losing from 10 to my score is because of Hudson, pretty much. I mean, there's a few, like, there could be a bit less human element. There's a few scenes where I'm like, I... I know you have to have this in there so we care about the characters. I don't really care to see, you know, Beth and Rob reuniting. I don't care about that. Cut that. Let's get some more grasshopper action. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, overall, it's an enjoyable movie. It's a fun movie. I'm going to give it a a 7 out of 10. I think it's a 7 out of 10 movie. Really fun premise. Really good execution of the premise. Uh, Maybe if there's a version of this that exists that replaces T.J. Miller with, like, Chris Pratt or something. I think that would be a, that would be an eight, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Okay, quick. maybe like well, I don't know, that's, some other actor I like.
0: That's an interesting idea. Um, let's talk about recommendations. Uh, I'll go first. I'm recommending Steven Spielberg's adaptation of War of the Worlds. I'm recommending this because it also follows a very ground-level kind of account of the alien invasion. Uh, this is a movie based on the H.G. Wells novel, War of the Worlds. It's a classic story. Uh, I'm sure you know all about it. But this is a bit of a fresher take on it, um, just to sort of update the science that has kind of come and gone since H.G. Wells' day, and to inject more of Spielberg's trademark uh character and a, a style into it. I think it's really good. It's got, it's very visceral in terms of its action and its destruction. It is more of a like scary movie than your average disaster flick because it's more about just trying to get away from stuff rather than fight stuff. The aliens are not really fightable, at least not by the main character and his children. There is, just like in Cloverfield, an awful character, the Sun character. If you've seen this movie, you surely know what I'm talking about. He drags this movie down like you would not believe, but thankfully he's not in it for a large portion of it, and that's great. But otherwise, it's a great adaptation of a really cool, interesting story. Um, There's a lot of thrills and chills that you want in your summer blockbuster, and... I honestly could have recommended this movie if I thought about it for Godzilla 2014, because it also has that like sense of scale and of sheer terror at uh, what's happening and that Cloverfield has. So definitely give it a watch if that's your thing, if you were attracted to Cloverfield or Godzilla or what have you for those elements.
1: Sure. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, I might get around to seeing it. I'm a bit of a Spielberg hater, so that kind of keeps me from watching his movies, but <laughs> Elliot's shaking his head because he's a bit of a Spielberg stan. He loves Spielberg. He's kind of a, one of the Stanbergs. Anyway, uh, my recommendation is a bit of a different path because I think Elliot's recommendation is way too perfect, so I'm going to go with another Drew Goddard movie. It's another. It's a bit of uh Elliot... Grab your, you know, anger pillow. It's a bit of a genre bender as well, just like this one is. Uh, That's going to be Drew Goddard's The Cabin in the Woods, which is a bit of a meta take on horror movies, which for the record, just as I was thinking about this, there's a lot of meta horror movies because horror movies have so many like archetypes and like typical cliches that, Like they do this a lot. I think this one's kind of interesting just because the way it goes about doing the meta kind of commentary on the cliches, I think is a really interesting, fun twist. It's a really fun movie. I don't really like the ending. I think the ending's kind of stupid and makes the whole movie feel pointless, but it's a really fun movie, especially if you're looking for another thing that's a little scary, but not that scary. It's a bit of a comedy at times. So, um, yeah, that's going to be my
0: recommendation. Uh, I agree. That's a pretty good movie. I would second that recommendation. I would caution anyone who's not, like, who doesn't have at least a surface level understanding and appreciation of the horror genre to watch because it is very leveraged into your understanding of the tropes and cliches of the genre, I think, in order to make a lot of its jokes and moments work. So that's something to be aware of. But another thing to be aware of is that life is hard and full of disappointments. Uh, right? Sometimes sometimes you're just about to leave for Japan and Godzilla wanders through your city and then you're trying to get your old girlfriend back. That's another thing. I wanted to point out that it's kind of funny how – you know how zombie movies never exist in zombie stories like within the universe of zombie movies? Nobody calls them zombies nobody seems to be aware that they exist i noticed something kind of similar happening happening here like nobody ever said hey this reminds me a lot of godzilla that's crazy it's a giant monster wandering around the city so i just thought that that was that was fun that was funny probably i'm the only one who finds that funny but uh yeah there it is
1: i mean i found it funny not like laugh out loud funny yeah anyway that's our review. We're back for the new year. We're gonna be back once again. New episode every week. We're really excited about it. We've got some exciting uh, special episodes planned in the new year. So yeah, stay tuned in. Anywhere. Why are you shaking your head,
0: Elliot? We do. We don't. Or if we do, well, I, I do part of their planning. Yeah, I-, I do. You aren't aware of them
1: yet. And neither is the audience. Neither are you, the listeners. So you, you can have the same experience as Elliot. That's how ground level of an experience we give you here at Challenge in the Movies. We hope you have a great first week of 2024 and we hope uh, you'll be here next week for our next new episode.